Welcome back to the Act 2 podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And as a reminder, of course, Act 2, if you don't already know, is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter, of which this podcast is just one of our many initiatives. So thank you for joining us at the podcast. Please remember to subscribe if you are a fan of this podcast or you just stumbled upon us and like this episode because it does help out other writers to get this information it kind of puts us in front of them and also helps you because then you won't miss out on any of our awesome topics mm -hmm. it's like getting the vaccine you're helping others exactly exactly if you'd rather dm us privately though because for whatever reason you don't like subscribing to things <laughs> uh, you're a rebel you can send us an email at act2writers at gmail.com, and that's all spelled out, or on our Instagram at act2writers. And are you going to say how to find you on social media? Yes, I guess so. You can find me on Instagram <laughs> at Story Thursday and on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And me, uh, Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. I feel like I threw you off with my vaccination comment. <laughs> and I feel like you make fun of me when I ignore your random input and just keep going with the program. <laughs> Hey, wh wh why didn't Tasha just acknowledge what I just said? <laughs> Not running at 100% today, guys, but we'll get there. <laughs> well, it's good news because I'm running at about 140%. So, so this is going to be a great episode. I can see it in your body <laughs> and the cup of coffee that you were just drinking. <laughs> we, have a, we have a very exciting episode, Tasha. We have a lot to talk about. What are we talking about today? <laughs> well, we're going to talk about how to be proactive as a writer and how to self-advocate for yourself, but I think we have some this week's in writings, too. Yeah, and I also have some shout-outs to do. Well, I think you should go first, then. Okay. You know, I'm going to save the best for last, so I'm going to just do <laughs> no disrespect to the first one here, <laughs> but you'll see what shit. First one, I want to shout-out to Paul Bay from Twitter. That's at least how I, uh, I, I officially met him. But he, you know, I saw on Twitter that he booked this job. He had this open writing assignment. And I just want to say congratulations, Paul. Congratulations, Paul. As we talked about in our last episode, it is tough to get an OWA, and you did it. Yeah. The second shout-out, and this is why this is the most uh, important shout-out we're ever going to give, is to your mom, Tasha. <laughs> Tasha's mom is getting the shout-out on the Act 2 podcast. I met her for the first time at a wonderful engagement party with Tasha and her amazing fiance. And I met your mother and she was awesome. And I just wanted uh, to uh, say hi to her. She is literally our number one fan. So she appreciates that. <laughs> All right. So this week, this in, week writing. in writing. Do you want to go first? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to go first. So... I, um, Josh and I were talking about this earlier this week where it's very interesting, the term up and coming writer, Oh yeah. because I was referred to as an up and coming writer this week by someone. And I was like, am I still an up and coming writer? Like, how long does this last? And yes, absolutely. To the person who said it, I'm like the newest writer on the block, but to myself who feels like I've been doing this for well I have uh, over 10 years yeah I don't feel like an up-and-comer so I just 
Josh and I were just talking back and forth just about how interesting this business is because I, I feel like that terminology can get stuck in your head. And I remember there's a bit of advice that was given to me by someone whose name I've forgotten, but the advice still stays where I was at Sundance and it was a, it was a director and I had introduced myself as a baby writer. And he's like, don't do that. Don't ever call yourself a baby writer because you are a writer. That is what you do. And until you see yourself as a writer, other people won't see yourself as a writer. So do not call yourself that. And so I've I've stopped sort of giving myself those kinds of names of up and coming and baby writer, even though I may feel it. And it does do a number on on the old mental gears. Yeah, I do, I do think people tend to do that because I think people get excited by by new writers, to be honest with you. I mean, remember there used to be that list, the young and hungry list. Yeah. And then you would see it. And like people would have like 45 credits and they've sold seven yeah. different things. And it was like, wow. I mean, they're like doing their thing, but it was positioned as something where it's like, oh, look at these newcomers that are just bursting into the industry. Yeah, that's so. a very good example. Yeah, I would always be shocked by the credits that were on that list. Like, oh, wait, these guys have been doing it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I once uh, when I uh, took out a spec a few years ago, um, it was in, you know, it was on like a tracking board or something. And I saw there was a little write up of me that I didn't write up, but it said mm-hmm. I was a newcomer. And I, I was like, newcomer? Fuck. I'm like Harrison Ford <laughs> in his like third act of his career. Like, that's how I feel. <laughs> it's like grizzled. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> am I only at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what am I going to be when this is over? What's your this week in writing? All right, well, my This Week in Writing is actually somewhat of an update. Do you remember a few weeks ago I said that I had submitted a script to some producers and it was in a really, really bad form and I was really nervous about it and I sent it to them and I didn't know what was going to happen? Mm-hmm. Well, they got back to me. And? They were understanding. They understood that it was in such bad shape and they, they, like, they, they knew it was a good jumping off point. And we, we talked about character, we talked about bigger picture things, and it was just an example of what I think are like good producers and whether mm-hmm. they didn't completely uh, banish me. Yeah. Um, but I will say it's been really difficult to kind of dive back into just even my second draft. For some reason, I, I'm having a really difficult time tackling how to get back into it. Mm. So what I just realized like today because I was kind of all over the place. This is I was thinking about rewrites and something that's been really helpful for me is to just focus on one very specific thing that you need to kind of alter. For instance, if it's my lead character, let's say his name is John mm-hmm. and John needs to be tweaked. It's like, go through and just tweak John. Just mm-hmm. go through all of his scenes and see how it works. After that, go through the villain plot. After that, then like start working, uh, you know, everything in. But that was my This Week in Writing. Yeah, I, that's an absolute lifesaver way to approach revisions, I have found, especially when you're overwhelmed like that. I think that's the way to do it, and I don't know why I was like, <laughs> didn't, like, I don't know. It just took me a while. You know, sometimes you're just so overwhelmed, you just can't, like, No, I think, I think you're wrong. I don't think that that's people's natural way of approaching revisions. I think especially when we get notes it, it feels so overwhelming. You just kind of want to start from the beginning and, and just go kind of clockwise. But I have since learned the most effective way is also to, to be like, okay, they have this problem here. 
it's also like what is the easiest thing to fix and fix that yeah. first because that yeah. that encourages me to get into it and i'm and i start to feel the rhythm of the revision again rather than starting with the hardest thing which sometimes can be very tempting because you just want to tackle it and maybe you're excited to tackle it but it just feels so hard so for me always starting with the smallest thing and working back up is is easiest for me boom yeah that was great yeah this week in writing that made me remember that I had a follow-up from another This Week in Writing as well. Oh, do you remember, shit. <laughs> do you remember the story I told about the producer and the writer who kind of had a falling out? I remember all the stories, yeah. <laughs> well, I got an update from the producer, and he said that the writer turns out really appreciated this email that he sent just saying like i apologize for what went down i really value our relationship this is where i'm coming from etc cetera, etc cetera. and it seems like they've repaired their relationship so it's a happy wow. ending so just being honest and forthright and taking responsibility but also sort of being honest to what you need really helped in this relationship that's that's awesome and that's really good advice i feel like as long as you're just always upfront people understand like if you're emotional and whatnot people just totally get that and they're like i hey you i mean if you're you know a good person and you you're emotionally available you understand yeah that. but you know what i mean like <laughs> you're like you know what this person probably was in a bad place i get it they're frustrated and let's just not forget everyone let's not forget we're coming out of like we're still like out of 2020 where everyone was just mm -hmm. angry yeah people are just angry we've got to come together people just love each other anyway anyway all right so here's our big topic that we're talking about today mm -hmm. it's about being an advocate for yourself and staying productive and proactive well okay that's a big topic. right yeah is that okay so i have some things i want to talk about tasha i'm so excited i, I want you to kick back and relax because yeah. i'm going to just dive into some some things and we're going in dive okay so personally speaking, I kind of, I come from a very traditional sense in terms of like my love for entertainment, meaning I love movies. Uh, I want to make movies. I want to write movies. I don't know what movies are going to be in the next two years and like how to watch them. I don't even know if movie theaters, God forbid, will even be here in two how years. How dare you? I know. But that's what I love. That I love movies and I love like the big screen. So I love that. But I also come from like this digital background where I made online stuff, I made content, I was making, uh, doing a web series and stuff like that. And in the digital sense, it's a little different because I kind of feel like digital has like a tech mentality in the sense that, you know, like if you create a startup and a startup fails in the tech world, people are like, good job, just do the next thing, do the next thing, just keep going. Mm -hmm. You tried it and you failed, good job. But in the entertainment world, when you do something and you fucking fail at it and you like your movie bombs, you're like in, you know, industry hell and people don't really respond to you. So well. anyway, so I told, I told the line in both worlds and I understand that in like the traditional sense, there's this desire to be very precious with ideas. But I also believe that if you never talk about ideas and if you just don't get them out there, those ideas could die into your brain. And I don't like when ideas die because I feel like that's like a sin because <laughs> like, ideas and creativity are what separate us in the industry that's what separates so us from other people and ideas inspire people that's the only way the world will change is with ideas and creativity it's beautiful okay so why why the fuck did i just bring that all up tasha <laughs> i'm glad you asked <laughs> read my mind 
So that's all to say, I want to talk about how to be proactive and like an advocate with those ideas that like go off to mm -hmm. die that people don't respond to. But if you love them so much, there's ways to get those ideas out into the world. I'm so excited for this. I feel like I, my ideas die all the time. <laughs> I just have this forest where there's just a cemetery of all my ideas. And it's dark and terrible. Wow. So I'm, I'm really excited. Wow. The Tashaverse <laughs> is a cemetery <laughs> of ideas. But, you know, like, I, I honestly, like, you know, I'm like a firm believer in like momentum. And when you start doing things, don't you find that when you start doing things that like other things start happening? Just in career wise, or you mean idea wise? I mean, I guess both really. It's mm -hmm. like once you just start kickstarting things and you're like, fuck it, I'm going to write this script. Then someone calls you out of like for the first time in six months you haven't heard from. And it's like, it's just 100% work physics, begets Tasha. work, as they say in our business work begets work. Okay. So I'm going to start with a couple, I'm going to talk about different examples of ways people can kind of get their ideas out there. If you find yourself in this stagnant area and you don't know what to do, and you're trying to figure out how to stay proactive, if you can't get on the same page as a rep, if you don't mm -hmm. have a rep, but you just want to get your fucking name out there, that's what we're talking about. Are you yeah, ready? I'm so pumped okay. now. <sighs> okay. So we're going to go over a few different things. We're going to talk about Reddit. We're going to talk about Twitter. We're going to talk about YouTube. We're going to talk about fucking short story land. Oh, and this all stemmed from an IndieWire article uh, that was talking about Reddit, actually. And it was about finding new screenwriters. And it was how Hollywood is turning to Reddit for new IP. Okay? It's weird, but also not. Well, what do you think's weird about it off the bat? I guess just so many writers out in the world already have ideas that are original. Why go to Reddit? But... Also, Reddit has fantastic ideas, so never mind. Uh, so I'm sure you know this. On Reddit, there's like subreddits, and mm -hmm. you can kind of, you know, you know how everyone knows how Reddit works, right? Yes. Yeah, and you can get you can get things voted up, things can go viral, and you're basically in that sense kind of creating like you know, like unicorn IP because it's proven and people have read it uh, or people have seen something and they just love it, and you're creating that momentum for yourself. Mm-hmm. Are you with me so far? Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Me. No, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. I'm going to talk about this one subreddit called No Sleep uh, because this is what the IndieWire article had talked about. Mm. And it's this subreddit for really creative horror stories um, that essentially could be plausible. And that's kind of what sets it apart. All right. So in September of 2020, a freelance animator named Marcus Clewer? Clewer? Sorry, Marcus, if I just mispronounced your last name. Uh, so he posted his first story. Um, it was called, I Wasn't Always Claustrophobic. Three months later, he was discovered by Ground Control Entertainment Scott Glasgold. And then in June, Netflix announced, Netflix announced a screen rights deal for another story he had posted called, We Used to Live Here. And Blake Lively's attached to that now and it's going to be produced by Ground Control along with Matt Reeves. Holy okay? cow. Yeah. And this all stemmed from him just posting on this subreddit. In September of last year. In September of 2020. Wow. Talk about your life changing in an instant. And you're going to love this. He has a two-book deal in the high six figures. Holy shit. Yes. However, this guy was the second 
discovery on the no sleep subreddit for Glassgold. And so what Scott Glassgold did is he read um, another uh, story from this guy named Matt Query. It's called My Wife and I Bought a Ranch. And so this guy, Scott, he posts this on subreddit. It gets voted up. And in less than a week later, it was packaged. It was part of a bidding war. And Netflix bought that for seven figures. And that's it. That's what seven I wanted to Seven figures? Yeah. What is happening? I know. Can life. I tell you one more example? Mm-hmm. Okay. A woman named Rebecca Klingel. This was like the woman who was kind of like the first success story of this subreddit. In 2017, she's an insurance underwriter. She's working in Phoenix. She's passing the time. She's writing horror stories. She's posting them on this subreddit. And then she gets a phone call from Mike Flanagan, the director of Dr. Sleep. So Flanagan's reading. A dream director of mine, by the way. Amazing. There you go. He's amazing. He is amazing. And he says, he's like, hey, I want to know if you want to come out and write for a TV show. She's never written a script in her entire life, by the way. So she's like, I'm coming. I'm coming out there right now. She meets with Paramount. She meets with Amblin. She gets approved by both Paramount. Like, everyone's like, okay, fine. If Flanagan, if you like her, I like her. She even has a quote that says she went onto YouTube and typed in, how do you write a script? What software do you use? Mm-hmm. This was after she was hired, by the way. Mm-hmm. And she was then hired on The Haunting of Hill House. And then she gained representation at WME. And she wrote on The Haunting of Bly Manor. And she's now working on another uh, podcast. So, I am both very happy for them because mm-hmm. I am happy for any writer who finds success. But I'm also very frustrated (laughs) by how I think varied our business can be with success, if that makes sense. I think it's frustrating because you and I talk about the slog and how it's taken 10 years to get to where we are. And then you see people who like have this kind of overnight success, which is not to discount how long Rebecca Kringle has been Mm -hmm. writing stories and feeling like she hasn't fit in at her job because all she wanted to do is write. So I'm taking that into account. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I am both depressed and very excited for them at the same time. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Those two I, things I, can go together. I mean, for whatever it's worth, I, you would have to imagine that everyone's kind of struggling in their own, in their own right, you know? And then they're... Yeah. I, I know what you're saying, though, because as a screenwriter who's just we've been through so much you like look at this and you're like wow shit man you haven't even written a script yet i've written a million scripts but but you know what we talked we've talked about this before how people did that to me when when i first got my deal at warner brothers in 2014 everyone was like oh she didn't work for it she's just this overnight success without realizing how much work i had put into getting to that point so i'm going to erase my depression and these people, I'm sure, have a, have a storied backstory about how they yeah. got to their Reddit post. And also, their stories would have to be great for Mike Flanagan to say, I don't care if you've not written a script. I need you. Totally. So, yeah. I'll, I'll walk and that what back. I, yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's the right call. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, that, and like that, those were my Reddit examples, but that's just like, 
you know, as a, you know, you don't have to write a full script. If you have like a seed of an idea, you can post yeah. it. And I mean, granted, I haven't read these stories and I'm sure there's a beginning, middle and end, but there's also some examples actually where I'm going to go into where it's just like concept based. Yeah. And like, that's what's so cool about this is you can still get your shit out there and uh, you don't have to write a script, but you can be hired as a writer. I don't like it. I don't like that. I don't like what you just said. <laughs> oh, well, you're going to love this one. <laughs> All right, carry on. <laughs> okay, now we're moving into the next category. Short stories. Mm. A very common, uh, like, you know, you create your IP, short stories, we all get it. But I wanted to bring one up because one was stuck in my head because I remember reading it during the 2020 pandemic when I was in between margaritas and rosé. I remember reading this one <laughs> thing I deadline. It always stuck in my head. All right. It's called Sinkhole. It's a short story by Lena Crow. Okay? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I keep saying, okay? Like, after I say this to you, like, <laughs> do you hear what I'm saying? I don't know. I only do this on a podcast. You're very intense. Uh, I'm like a teacher. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Sinkhole. This was a short story that Universal won the rights to. And it turned out that this was a bidding war that Universal uh, kind of got involved with. Jordan Peele's Monkey Paw Productions is attached. He's producing along with Issa Rae, who may star in it. Mm. So the short story, (laughs) I know you're going to love this. It was written in 2016 by Lena for the Lilac City Fairy Tales Anthology. And it's an annual fundraiser for a nonprofit in Spokane, Washington. Okay. So she just wrote this short story for this like nonprofit. And... I'm going to get more into that in just a second. But the story involves a young couple. Um, They're looking into buying a bigger home for their family. They find one in the right price range with one catch. There is a giant sinkhole in the backyard. Things escalate. Soon the wife and mother wonder if a better version of herself would emerge if she went into the sinkhole. Wow. Yeah. So the idea is they're throwing things into the sinkhole and like a better version of it coming out on the other side interesting so this writer her primary goal she said during the project had been to write something that sharma shields who then ran the city fairy tales uh nonprofit, would enjoy all she did was she wrote this for this one woman to enjoy she said anything yeah. past that was extra Aww. she said my only intention for this story ever was just for that anthology and i sort of thought that was the life of sinkhole Aww. but tasha After the anthology's release in 2016, uh, this woman, Shields, was also a fiction editor for something called Moss, an annual Northwest-focused literary journal. And Shields reached out to Crow about including Sinkhole in that year's uh, print. Crow agreed. It goes up in Moss. And after that, Crow said she didn't think about it again. She didn't think anyone else would ever read it. She never thought about it. It just was gone. So, six months after that, one of the editors from Moss named Alex Davis Lawrence called and said, hey, I'm moving to Los Angeles. I'm trying to create a career for myself in the film industry, and I wanted to take some of the writing from Moss and shop it around to see if I can get, like, uh, the film or television rights. Uh, Crow's like, yeah, man, go for it. She's sure nothing's ever going to happen with it. But Mm -hmm. then a few months after that, two different production companies were interested in acquiring the film rights, And Lena agreed to meet with them via Zoom. One of the companies made an offer. She gets an agent. 
the agent's like, hey, we have someone interested. They're not offering a lot of money. I don't know if anyone else is going to be interested. And so then that agent starts sending it to a few other people, says, let's just wait a few more days before we accept any offer. And by the time those few days had gone by, they ended up talking to somewhere between 12 and 15 different production companies. Mm -hmm. And this bidding war had started. It circulated around Hollywood. Universal won. Peel and Issa Rae came on. They attached themselves and... That's the story of Stinkhole. I think that's a beautiful story. Yeah. Did you think I was going to be upset by that story? Oh, well, I just always find it really like amazing when people are like, you know, I just wrote it for this one person. Yeah. And I didn't, I, and I love it. Now I, I legitimately love that where you don't kind of come in, you don't have like these crazy expectations where you're like, I'm going to sell or I'm going to write the next, you know, Avengers. Yeah. I'm just here to... Well, that's like where some of the purest writing can come from. And I think so much great literature even comes from, I just wrote it for my wife or I just wrote it for my sister or whatever it is. Yeah. And yeah, you can have some of the purest stuff when you're writing it that way. I think that's a great story. Okay. I'm going to move on. I think short stories are pretty self-explanatory. It's like you just write your, your short story. Well, here's Publish the it. thing. Can I just say, yeah. so I am, am writing a short story to try and sell. I oh, really like it. I love I it. I think it's a cool idea. Thank you. Yeah. And then in talking to my manager about it, who's given me notes on it, it's very interesting because like you, like I just wrote it because I love this idea. And then she, of course, is like, how is it marketable? How do we like, let's think of an anthology where thematically it's all connected. And how is this a movie? Like when we, when we take this out, everyone's going to have to read it and immediately think of the movie. So we need to add more. And suddenly it started becoming this like marketing tool and it moved further away from sort of the, the passion that I had for it, which maybe it's a better story now, but I don't know. It's, that's an interesting process and I don't know sort of what the conclusion is to this except to say that yes I think writing short stories is definitely an avenue I have friends who have written short stories and sold them and are now adapting them for major studios it's mm -hmm. definitely an avenue and the great thing about it is it doesn't take as long as a screenplay and the second great thing about it is it's short so it can be like the first act of what you see your movie to be or the third act whatever it is that great concept and that's really it and then you figure out the movie when you get paid so I highly advocate for short stories. Well, it's interesting because I wonder if you like write your short story, you love it so much, and then you're just like, you know what? Perfect manager of mine. I don't wanna like I don't wanna disrupt this anymore. I love it where it is right now. I'm going to post it on a subreddit. I'm going to post it online. This is how you do it, where you just you just control everything. Hmm. But I mean post the reason why people post online is because, yeah, I guess it's because their their rep isn't sending it out or they don't have reps. Yeah. So you're saying bypass the manager altogether, post the version that I like, and just get around it. I mean, you know how I feel about gatekeepers. I know. <laughs> <laughs> this this entire podcast is to convince you to post your short story <laughs> somewhere where we can all read it. I love my story. I just want it I out do too. There. It's amazing. <laughs> I promise you, remember this moment in the podcast because that short story is so good that something's going to happen with it and we're gonna, I'm going to play a clip from this uh, in a future podcast episode. God bless you. Let's move on. Check out this segue. Since I was talking about Issa Rae in the, in the previous segment, hmm. let's move into YouTube. Oh. 
All right, this, this is going to be a little quick. This is a little section here because I get it. A lot of us are just writers, and I feel like a lot of YouTubers are like writers, actors. Mm. But yeah, maybe you're an actor, maybe you're a writer. The point is, is like someone needs to be on camera. And if you're someone who doesn't have any, you know, actor friends, then it's it's tough to do this. But yeah, YouTube's amazing. You know how much I love YouTube. You I love mean, it. I love it. The The potential of it. So... I just wanted to give a couple examples of how just of, of people who are successful. So if someone's listening to this, they're like, yeah, fuck yeah, I can do it too. Cool. I'm excited. Issa Rae wrote and starred in Awkward Black Girl. Obviously, that put her on the map. Mail Order Comedy, which consists of Kyle Newichek, Adam Devine, Anders Holmes, Blake Anderson, and this turned into Workaholics. Mm. That started on YouTube too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Of course, Broad City from uh, Abby Jacobson and Anna, Alana Glazer. Mm -hmm. And that's it. I just wanted to bring up those three examples. But those are obviously like actor writers. Yeah, and, and sort of creator driven as it were. Yeah, and it, it is hard. I've had friends who are writers who are like, I want to like put something up and yeah. or I want to like create something. It's just hard to sometimes get a camera guy, a sound guy, a um, you know, bunch of actors, a location. And I understand that. However, if you have like a concept, I feel like you can put it up on YouTube. because I definitely you think you're right. But do we think now that production value has to be fairly high for YouTube shows or no? Because like Workaholics feels like that's fairly cheap, but also there's unexpected costs to make it look good. Yeah. Well, I think you can get creative with it and turn yeah. it into something else somehow. You can figure it out. You can get creative. We're writers. Now I'm inspired. Let's let's after this let's let's talk privately about a new YouTube series. Yeah, let's just fucking end <laughs> the podcast now. <laughs> but no, I love it. You know, I love. It. I I just I've 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 seen people tell stories on YouTube that have been like that have gained interest, and I've seen and there that's people just sitting in front of a camera. Like yeah. that's what I'm saying is like there's there's ways to you know just stay proactive in that sense and yeah that's an absolute especially if you want to direct and and you want to do all of that that is a fantastic route to do because you can do anything you can do super short form things and it doesn't have to be on quibi <laughs> you know it doesn't have to yeah. go to these big companies and you don't have to have all these gatekeepers along the way so yeah that's that's really Boom. inspirational and finally tasha we're going to move on to twitter your favorite place Your in the favorite. world. My favorite place in the world. This kind of stemmed from, uh, there's a movie out right now, just got released um, in the last couple months called Zola. Are you familiar with it? No. It premiered at Sundance in 2020. And it was, it, it all stemmed from a Twitter thread, like this crazy ass Twitter thread that was somewhat in line with like Spring Breakers meets something else. I'm not 100% mm. sure. I probably should have done a little more research on the movie, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but here's what I know. Okay. The year was 2015, Tasha. And we have a woman named Zola, whose real name is Isaiah King. She uh -huh. dropped a 147 tweet thread. Whoa. And in a nutshell, let me tell you what this story is. Here's the research I, I did. The story goes like this. Zola meets a woman while waitressing, and the two hit it off while they realize they're both exotic dancers. The woman invites Zola on a dancing trip to Florida, 
When she promises they'll make a lot of money, they're accompanied by the woman's boyfriend. Oh, and yes, her I roommate. do know this trailer. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I do know this yes? trailer. So you're yeah. in. This all started from Twitter. No way. And then they go on this road trip, and this absurd and dangerous situation takes place. Not a, not a real Twitter, like a fake. Story. No, this was the woman's real Twitter. And she sent but it out was all these. A real story that she was posting? It's a real story, but slightly embellished. Hmm. Yeah. And apparently, well, so. She tweets this out. Her followers are kind of like enthralled by everything. They're like, oh my God, I want to hear more. And so she she tweets out. She doesn't like start it as a thread. She just kind of like dropped a few nuggets and people kept poking. Give me more, give me more. And she ends up then writing out this entire thread of like this crazy fucking adventure she went on. But I, she did kind of embellish some of the tweets. And then it started to pick up so much steam that someone in Rolling Stones wrote about it. And then from there... Hollywood's calling for a moment. James Franco was attached to direct, but you know, James Franco, mm -hmm. he's not directing anymore. And then, uh, <laughs> Jenica Bravo took the reins and she directed the movie. And she's also credited as one of the writers along with Zola. And then these two other writers, um, who have story by credit that they're on IMDb. I forgot to write them down, <laughs> but why? And, yeah, and so apparently, like, when she, she tweeted this out and it picked up all the steam, people were talking with her, like, is this true? And she had to kind of say, okay, I embellished this murder. <laughs> I embellished, right, yeah. like, this sex scene or something like that. But, but Twitter fascinates me in terms of, like, a storytelling medium. I still don't understand Twitter and how things, really? <laughs> and how things go viral. I don't get it. Really? Do you remember many years ago you and i came across i don't remember if it was twitter but i think so a story about a guy having like a horror movie going on in his house that's what i wrote down this is my next example oh i'm so excited yeah i, I loved that 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 was really inspirational to me yeah all right so that was called dear david okay. and it's it's from a writer and an illustrator named Adam Ellis, and he was tweeting about his apartment being haunted. Yeah. Yes. This, and you and I both were like, this is fucking cool. Is this um, real? I don't know. Is this real? I don't know. Well, what's crazy about it is he, I don't know if he does anymore, but the articles I read, he like stood by the fact that he was like, no, it's real. It's real. And basically what happened is, you know, he tweets this stuff out. He worked for BuzzFeed as well, by the way. And he uh. starts sending out tweets, and then he starts illustrating what this David, this ghost looks like that's in his house. And it went so viral that New Line ended up acquiring it. Mm. And so obviously it, it never got made, but it sold and he had a little writing career based off of it. Yeah. But that was a, that's an example of like, you can kind of like, and I'm, I think this is awesome. I don't know if it would work anymore in 2021 unless it's like a true story. But yeah. like, I don't know. I just think Twitter's so cool if you just kind of piecemeal these stories together. And he was posting video too, right? And that's yeah. what got me was they would be videos of things moving, like it, his CCTV that he set up in his own apartment or something. Yeah. Yeah, you can do so much just on Twitter or Instagram. There's also, and I'm blinking on the name because I wasn't prepared to talk about it, but there is an Instagram movie essentially that's told it's, it's as if the Instagram is owned by a Jewish girl in world war two. And I forget mm, yeah, which, yeah, yeah. 
which city she lives in but it's like her taking pictures or video with her friends and then the germans come in and it's just that story as if that girl had instagram and that was really inspirational for me too like that was really high production value but yes the fact that you can tell stories anywhere and then have them produced on a, on a bigger scale potentially um is just it's a very cool time to be alive yeah it's awesome there's so many different outlets and the last example i had on twitter by the way is the show shit my dad says oh yeah was, you remember that that all started from uh justin helperin his yeah. tweets it was when he moved in with his parents and then just started to tweet about what they say so good there was a blog at the same time where uh shit my dad says where it was hollywoodassistants.com i think and it was every yes. day a hollywood assistant would post something that their boss says along with a gif or mm -hmm. so, like something that something that's just super relatable as an assistant along with a gif and the gifs were always just so on point and that got so famous that that assistant ended up selling the rights to that idea and like leaving their assistant dumb that never got made i don't think but yeah that's another it was just a blog of just you know essentially twitter posts that's fucking crazy man people are hungry for ip in this business they will find it anywhere they possibly can so yes I take know. advantage of that yeah and that's the thing is if you know you have just a, such a, like if you have like an idea you're crazy about and you just love but no one's like responding to it you kind of have the option where you're like okay i'm just gonna wait it out and one day people will, will discover it or you can figure out a way to start posting it and be like yeah. all right i'm gonna take a different route do you think that writers who maybe have reps who maybe have done development uh, or even maybe got things made but are stalling feel like that's beneath them yes what should we say to people like that because i can f i can feel that sensation rising up in me and i'm trying yeah. to actively suppress it down because i just don't think that's true anymore yeah no my advice would be to get over yourself <laughs> <laughs> no 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 but i i i fully understand what you're saying i get it i i i get it completely but you know i'm gonna take jj abrams as an example Okay. Like he, there was, remember he made, he wrote a book with, um, I'm blanking on the co-author's name. And then they started to release uh, videos on YouTube that were like really basic. Like anyone could have made them if you just were like a camera guy and you could edit it. It was just kind of like a voiceover and just kind of created this little, this ambiance of like, oh, something crazy is going on. And then he released his book. So it was almost like a trailer mm. lead up to. Sure. And th the reason I bring that up is because that's fucking J.J. Abrams and he's yeah. at the top of his game. He's directing Star Wars and everyone loves him. And, you know, I think if you look at it as something that benefits you rather mm. than something that would be beneath you, then I think that can maybe change how your mind is. But I, I fully get yeah. it where you're like, I'm not like someone's like, I'm not posting on Reddit. I would almost view it as like, oh my God, Tasha posted on Reddit. Yeah. That's awesome. And also as writers, we want our stuff to be read and we want our stuff to be seen and we want to share the things we have to say and think about to people. Yeah. Reddit is a place to do that. People <laughs> I mean, get that... very passionate about their Reddit stories. <laughs> yeah, they do. You know, in those movies where like Hook, for example, where you have to find like that inner youth inside of you again, mm -hmm. I feel like that's like the writer's journey to just 
post things where they don't want to mm. post things where you're like, you know what? When I started out, I was hungry. I would have done anything. Yeah. I would have put this out there. I mean, I think it would be awesome if like a writer I respected starts throwing short stories online. Well, I don't know enough about Reddit. Can I ask a dumb question? Maybe yeah, I dumb? Don't know. I don't, yeah, I might not have the answer though. Is there, is there any concern about uh, like theft of, of IP on there? Or is it very hard to steal someone's idea? That is a question I don't know the answer to. Mm. I would be lying. I know I've st it sounds like I'm like an advocate for Reddit. It I does. never go on Reddit. I don't know. <laughs> I, I swear to God, I, I'm only bringing this up because I read it in the article. Yeah. And, and I'm almost like a hypocrite in the sense where I'm like, throw some short stories up there, you idiots. But I've never done it. And I d I've probably been on Reddit maybe like twice in the last like you know what's years. weird about that though because i'm the same way i know nothing about reddit and i never go on but every now and again something will peek through into the zeitgeist that is like if you trace it back that story actually came from reddit i feel mm -hmm. like stuff like slender man and and things like that you you feel yeah. like is like a big oh that must have been like a big movie which it was but it came from like a really small source that you never would have expected so totally uh, yeah i mean it's legit. Yeah, it's weird. It's if legit. I was like, if I was actively producing and I was looking for IP, oh, I'd probably yeah. be on Reddit. I'd be on Reddit too, for sure. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's all my. I life. have a, I have like a recommendation for how to be proactive, but it's nowhere as good as yours. <laughs> so I feel dumb giving no, my little bit about? of advice. <laughs> I love it. And by the way, you wrote a comic, and like I was going to ask you about your comic that you wrote. Oh yeah. Well, that yeah. I guess that that's a way to be proactive because I very much just like surprised my agents. I was like, I'm doing this. And they're like, what? I don't think you should. I'm like, I don't care. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote a I wrote a comic. And that but that came actually not from me being proactive, to be honest. It came from me doing absolutely nothing. Someone reached out to me to be like, hey, I heard you're Asian. <laughs> We, we have <laughs> we, we have a, an Asian uh, sort of story we want to tell. Would you be interested? Wow. But I think the proactive aspect comes from not being afraid to do things that your agents, A, don't find for you, and B, don't advocate yeah. for. Because at the end of the day, I believed in it and I wanted to do it. And that's what writing is about. The, you know what? This is a perfect example of like, you know, you just listen to yourself. And you, you followed where you, you know, like where the idea was rather than being like, this is beneath me. I'm not going to write something like this. No, I mean, comics are definitely not beneath me. They're super cool. Well, no, no, no. I but know, yes, but, I, you know. I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And reps, by the way, will do that. And that's a very real thing to pay attention to is they will try to guide your career because that's their job and sort of tell you not to do things because they may say it's beneath you. Like they may use that as their manipulation tool. And you're like, yeah, you're right. It is beneath me or, you know, whatever. It's, it's not enough time. It's not enough money. And then it's, it's really up to you to be like, I don't care about the money. I feel very passionate yeah. about this, or I don't care about that. I feel passionate about it. And I think that's also a way to be proactive for yourself because you are ultimately the creator and, you know, you are generating the material. And if this thing inspires you, go for it yeah that's it wait you were gonna say something else though yeah so my little bit of sort of proactive writer thing is actually advice that was given to me by 
another goal buddy of mine. I feel like I'm betraying you. I'm sorry. Josh is also a goal buddy. Um, Wait. <laughs> another goal <Wait>. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cheating Who? on you. <laughs> Wait, do I know this? You know it. You just don't know right now that you know it, but I've told you. I'm calling Dave. <laughs> so his great advice that I got from this writer was to simply email executives every week as part of just your weekly routine. And he's very aggressive and very proactive. And he's also, unlike me, someone who really loves to socialize. So th he, he actually emails three different executives every week. And that's not me. I'm very much like a one person a month kind of thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we've talked about in this podcast how you should be creating spreadsheet, a spreadsheet, mm -hmm of all the executives you're meeting so that you just have a really handy information here of, okay, what company are they in? What's their contact info? What are they working on? What is their company looking for? And then for me, I put like any other personal notes, like I sent them this script or they really loved World War II tanks, whatever it is, because that information does come in handy in particular in what this, this writer is recommending, which is to email, cold email, an executive you've met before, even if it was a year ago or two years ago or longer, just email them as part of your weekly routine. And what you say is just like, hey, Josh, long time no talk was just thinking about you because i saw a documentary on netflix about world war ii tanks and oh, <laughs> immediately thought of you uh you should check it out but just checking in to say hi would love to catch up like that that's basically it and what's interesting is as soon as as soon as he gave me that advice i did it twice just to kind of test the waters and both times i ended up with a new meeting and i ended up ultimately actually with a new job both of them came to me with open writing assignments and I would not have been on their list to have, you know, to, to be up for this open writing assignment if I have not contacted them. And one of them actually in particular was like, oh my gosh, I was thinking about you because, you know, something came up at our company that I thought you would be great for. And I could tell from the tone of her email reply that she wasn't actually going to email me when she thought about my name, it, she sure. just thought about it and then quickly moved over it, right? Yeah, <laughs> but because yeah, yeah. I had emailed her, I was now in her brain and we were going to talk about it. And sure enough, that ended up being a job. So it's a really great way to be proactive, especially if you have reps and they are not getting you work or you're very frustrated with how few generals you're getting. Just go back through your list of people that you've met and do that yourself, you know? Yeah. And, and I think we forget that we have that resource. Yeah, we do forget we have that resource. We let, we, we take ourselves out of the power and let our agents and managers and uh, whoever else like, like, okay, they're, they, they'll, they'll do all that shit. I'm yeah. the creative. I'm the, yeah. Great advice. And it's because I think it's too, because we get, we're so exhausted having to do it ourselves before we get reps that we're so grateful to just hand off the power to them to do that. And I think we think of ourselves, we're just writers. That's what we do. We're writers. Everything else is someone else's job. But I think like we talk about on this podcast, this is part of the job. Having to email people, having to maintain your networks and keep that communication, doing these emails every week, that is also part of the job of being a screenwriter. And it sucks. But if I knew that, much earlier, I think. And if I had wrapped my mind around that earlier, I think my career might've moved a little faster early on. Awesome. <laughs> That's it. I mean, you killed it. I mean, I feel like I talked for 
a really, really long time. You know what you were? You were proactive. <sighs> <laughs> no, I thought that was great. I am, I'm really inspired right now. I feel like I can do anything. <laughs> and I know that sounds, <laughs> sounds dramatic, but I do. <laughs> uh, well, every once in a while, I get fired up. You know, it's like a reminder that, like what you were just saying, it's like we have the power to do things. Mm -hmm. We can create things and we can put it literally anywhere we want to because it's our creation. And yeah. we sometimes get closed off in the box of Hollywood. Think there's rules. There are no rules. Just no make rules. shit. Let's go do a no. YouTube show. Let's fucking do a YouTube show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Done. I'm not sure this quote of the day is appropriate now, but uh, I'm just going to do it. Do it. I don't think screenwriting is therapeutic. It's actually really, really hard for me. It's not an enjoyable process. Charlie Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never mind. About so we were thing. super inspirational and then I crashed the plane. All right. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And me on Instagram as Josh Hallman, Joshua Hallman and Twitter. Jesus, how did I just do that? Joshua <laughs> Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. And as oh always, God. the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Spotify.